Good evening, everyone. God bless you. We're glad that you're here. April 22nd of the year 2020. Um, before we get into the message here tonight, I want to give you a couple of announcements. We have some prayer requests. Uh, there are some people um, in our church family that has lost uh, members of their immediate families. Um, one family has lost two siblings uh, in the last week. And we do ask that you pray for them. Some uh, are still dealing with medical conditions. Some have extended family that's dealing with medical conditions. There are some uh, people that we know in our family and extended family and uh, maybe friends, co-workers, whatever it may be that are lost that do not know Jesus Christ. We ask that you be praying for them as well. Um, so just continue to uh, pray for your church family in every facet and every way and uh, just continue to pray for the ministry. The Lord is still continuing to bless, and we're just praying that we follow His will uh, and His ways. We had a wonderful service this past Sunday. Um, what a blessing and what a uh, reinstilling of hope that was. And uh, people came and sat in their cars and uh, was able to listen to some wonderful Christian music and uh, special music and the breaking of the Word of God. Um, we're looking forward to, again, another wonderful service this coming Sunday. Uh, pray for the weather. I know that uh, right now it's calling for a 70% chance of rain, so we pray that the Lord will uh, hold the rain off and allow us to have the service uh, outside again this week. But if the rain or the weather is, is really bad that would keep us from doing that, then we'll uh, be doing the service from inside the church. Uh, we'll be talking to you more about that as the week goes on. A few things that we've asked about, uh, you all picking up, and I wanted to let you know about a continuing uh, change in a, in a ministry, uh, which is for uh, the hospital staff and the first responders. Uh, you all have done wonderful, and we appreciate all the snacks and cases of water that you have supplied uh, for these uh, first responders, and we ask that you would continue to do that because this is something we're going to be continuing to do for a while. So when you're out doing your typical grocery shopping or weekly shopping, uh, if you wouldn't mind picking up some snacks, uh, prepackaged snacks or cases of water, we would appreciate it. Uh, also some chapstick. Chapstick is another vital thing uh, that they can use, so it doesn't matter which kind that it is, uh, regular, medicated, whatever, just uh, bring uh, the chapstick in and drop it off uh, with the snacks and the water. We'd appreciate it. And also keep your eyes open for hand sanitizer. And that leads me to another uh, part of this ministry for the first responders and hospital uh, is we, are, we have currently purchased uh, several hundreds of uh, small bottles, uh, clear plastic bottles that can be refilled that we're going to be putting hand lotion in for and also uh, some hand sanitizer. Now, the hand lotion is not a problem uh, at this point, but hand sanitizer is, as everybody knows. So we are asking that while you're out shopping to look uh, for any hand sanitizer, or, uh, if you can find some that are in bigger bottles, that would be great. Uh, if you would pick it up and, and uh, bring it into the church, uh, and we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, we're, looking out, we're looking to get several hundreds bottles of each out uh, to these uh, personnel and we're also looking to extend this ministry to another state as well so to, that we can be able to continue to get the love of God and the gospel out uh, to all these first responders so uh, they greatly appreciate our help but most of all they need the help of Jesus Christ so anything that you all can do for us in relations to that we would greatly appreciate it uh, 
And again, the gospel is getting out there uh, in our community. So the message title for today is called The New Norm, The New Norm. Uh, in the last weeks, we've heard that term used by, by medical professionals uh, several times, and sometimes it gets people really nervous. Uh, they don't know what to do about it or what to think about it. And, you know, uh, you know, well, what's this new norm? What are we doing? I've heard some people make comments, uh, medical professionals make comments and say that, you know, that probably handshaking is something of the past. It's never going to happen again. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I understand some of their positions. I really do. Uh, but to say it'll never happen again, uh, you know, through, throughout the centuries and through the many medical crises that the world has in, uh, entertained and dealt with through the years, uh, I know when you're going through like years ago with the swine flu that uh, when you they was going through that and so many people were being sick and dying from that, I'm sure at that very moment they thought, wow, life has changed. I mean, it's never going to be the same. And in some ways it's never the same because it's something that always affects our mind and our heart. And it's always there. It's something that we're thinking about or cautious about. But as time goes on, we find ourselves to be less cautious. Uh, so I'm not telling you not to be careful. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that when, when the term new norm is put out there, don't, don't get worried about it. Uh, things do change. Our life changes for some of us daily, sometimes uh, one circumstance, one situation. Uh, our life is changing constantly, uh, but a new norm is not always a bad thing. A new norm can actually be a great thing, and sometimes we should be uh, looking to change things up a little bit uh, in our life and, and to do things just a little bit differently. Just uh, doesn't matter what it is. I mean, we're in springtime, so people's out uh, putting up new mulch or changing out flowers or things. That's a new norm. That's something different that wasn't there. Uh, uh, people in springtime, now we're going out and we're starting to go uh, work out a little bit more. Not going to the gyms right now, but we're working out a little bit more. So we're trying to be a little bit fitter. Uh, that's a new norm. Uh, it's something that uh, you was used to eating and doing what you wanted to do. Well, now life has changed because you want better health. You want to feel better uh, medically, and now you're changing. So again, so the new norm is not always a bad thing, but sometimes what the term new norm is, is that uh, we, what we're afraid of is not that it's something new, but sometimes that new norm is getting us out of our comfort zone. And that comfort zone is where a lot of us struggle with that, because we can get to such a complacent place in our life that we just don't really pay attention uh, about what it is that's going on in our life, and, and we get in, into a rut, and we get into such a place that we uh, we feel so comfortable with, or maybe we're just emotionally tired. Uh, you, maybe you know you're physically tired, and you just don't want things to change. You're not wanting to be uh, to have other things put upon you. So again, uh, the new norm. Don't let it scare you. Just just pray and ask the Lord what the new norm is for your life and what we're supposed to be doing. And and on the on the post side of all this, we're going to be better Christians. We're going to be better servants. We're going to be better uh, husbands and wives and family members. We're just going to be better as this time continues to move on. So just stop worrying about that. You know, the lost and the Christians both. Uh, some, some Christians like change, some don't. Some lost people like change, some don't. Uh, there was uh, years ago, uh, back in the late 1990s, I was working uh, parade detail uh, in town. And uh, I was at the square. And there was a vehicle traveling north on Queen Street. And uh, 
when the car came to me, I was directing the car to head west down uh, King Street, and uh, the occupant, the driver of the car, looked at me and, and shook her head no and pointed she wanted to go straight through. Well, the streets were blocked off because of the parade, and I told her, I shook my head back no, that she had to go, and she just, as we're in this short dialogue, uh, she started getting agitated. And so I walked up to the car window and I told her she couldn't go, what was going on. And she said she didn't care what I thought, that she was going to go where she wanted to go. And I was like, no, ma'am, you're not. I said, uh, you know, you have to stay off the roadway. The barriers were in place. And she takes off because uh, she's at this point, she's really agitated. And she takes off. She almost hits me with the car. Uh, and I just yelled at her. I said, stop. And she did. She stopped. And when I went up to the window, uh, this person was like really, really scared nervous and scared I mean you could see it on her uh on her face and I and I asked her I said well ma'am what's wrong and she says well I've always went this way so what the problem was it wasn't what I needed her to do it was what I was asking her to do it was getting her out of a norm uh, she was very nervous about going a different direction and doing something different she was uh wanting to continue on in that comfort zone of what she felt uh, was normal for her. And when I tried to take her out of that, uh, she instantly began to rebel against that uh, direction. And she just found it to be so uncomfortable that it, it pushed her to a place that she really emotionally didn't need to be. And that's what I'm trying to say about this, this new norm. Uh, so we, we need to find uh, the place of comfort. We should want to change, and I'm encouraging you to change. We're going to look at uh, here tonight of Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at the conversion of the Apostle Paul from Saul to Paul. So during the message tonight, I'm going to just refer to Paul. I'm not going to be doing a bunch of Saul-Paul transitioning back and forth. So when I say Paul, even if it's the timeline of Saul, you'll know who it is uh, that I'm speaking about. So I just want to cover the first 18 verses kind of quickly here tonight. Not going to take a lot of time uh, to, to get really... Uh, depth in depth in this message tonight but I do want to tell you this as we get into the message uh, and this is a statement that God has given me and I want to share it with you is never be in a rut so deep that you cannot steer your way out never be in a rut so deep that you cannot steer your way out and that is great advice for all of us because we can put our wheels our life's wheels into a rut that is so deep uh, that there is no way that we can steer our way out of it, that the only thing we can do is, is keep pressing forward or try to back up uh, and get to a point to where we walked into the rut, but that's not always so. Many, many decisions and many things happen in our life to where once we're in the rut, we're there, and there's no way to change it. But if we are cautious approaching those ruts in our life and we don't allow ourselves to get in them, then we're not going to have to worry about steering our way out of it. Uh, so just use that wisdom uh, however it needs to apply to your life today. But let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day that you've given us, the blessings, the hope, the mercy, Father, the majesty of grace, of wisdom. Father, Lord, we thank you for just living in our lives each and every day. We thank you for the prayer requests that are in our hearts, and I know that there are so many within the church family, those people that are dealing with uh, medical problems and conditions, those that have lost loved ones. Uh, Father, those that are just nervous about life and the circumstances and where our nation's at today, uh, the politics of this world, and Father, Lord, the concerns about new norms and wanting to go back to what it was. And Lord, we, we can't look back to a point to where we want to go back because history is history. It's been written. It's, it, it's there. 
But Father, Lord, we can learn from it and we can grow through it. And we thank you for that. We thank you most of all for Jesus Christ uh, to be uh, the Lord and Savior of our life. That Lord, as we have entrusted in him for those that have that, Lord, we have that great understanding and we have that great ability to just be able to live our life in you. And Father, we just pray that you would just be with the lost, that they would, uh, that you would draw them into yourself, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that we can uh, widen that narrow gate that leads to heaven, and Father, that we can narrow the wide gate that leads to destruction. And Father, use us in a powerful way, and Father, use us in a way that it exalts you most of all, as Jesus said in Matthew 5. So Lord, we just pray that you would take this text tonight, use it, help us to apply it, help us to find the wisdom in it. And Father, Lord God, most of all, help us to grow and to mature through it. So we love you for everything that you have done for all of life's circumstances. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The biography of Paul, I'm just going to cover this kind of quickly. I'm not going to go in, again into a lot of depth of this. The Hebrew word Saul, when, when we look at Paul, uh, when you look at Saul, uh, from the Hebrew word, it means shawl, which means asked for or prayed for. Uh, Paul was a native of Tarsus, and his father was a Roman. Uh, Paul was a Pharisee through his belief. Uh, he was a Roman citizen, and he was raised with a strict religious background, uh, being made to memorize Scripture, uh, which can be a good thing as long as it's rightly divided and applied. But in yet, with a deep knowledge, he had a deep knowledge of Jewish history. Uh, he was a tent maker uh, by trade, and he received a good education, including studies with the philosopher Gamaliel. Uh, he was a persecutor of Christ and of Christians, and which is what's leading up to the message here tonight. Uh, and with great enthusiasm, uh, Paul had Saul. Paul, remember what I said? Uh, he attempted to wipe out uh, all of the Christian faith. So. When we're talking about the new norm and we're looking at the life, the biography uh, of the Apostle Paul, uh, we're going to give you a pre-new norm, we're going to give you in the midst of a new norm, we're going to give you helpers in the midst of a new norm, and we're going to give you a post-new norm or just a typical new norm. But the one thing that we need to address very quickly is this, is that what drove Paul to so much hatred? He was a religious man. Now I use that term you know, uh, uh, loosely. Uh, as I do, I, I don't call Christians born again believers. I don't, I don't say that they're uh, of a religious nature because that takes on a negative precept of people that want to use that term to justify their own faith outside of grace uh, and God's grace through Jesus Christ. But, but what led Paul uh, to such a hatred? Uh, you know, he studied the Old Testament. He uh, had been made to memorize it. Uh, he had sat under some phenomenal educators. He was blessed to have uh, the Roman background. He was blessed to have uh, the abilities to build a tent and be a tent maker and, and just, just having the hands-on ability to do something like that and how that can be applied to the knowledge of the Word of God. But even in the midst of all that he thought that he knew, the ignorance of his heart was not being able to recount or to recite the Old Testament law, what it was is that the Apostle Paul had no idea who the Christ was that the Old Testament spoke about. 
They're still looking for somebody other than Jesus. They're looking, they, you know, some, and people even today are, are the Saul's, the Paul's of today are, are looking for somebody that's going to uh, declare them, that's going to bring a, a decisive change and, and earmark in their life. And that's what's going to happen when the Antichrist steps up at the midpoint of the tribulation, when he stands up and he says, hey, he says, hey, here, I am God and you worship me. And so many people are going to follow that because, you know, and, and there's many other ideas of that. And I'll, I'll digress from that tonight. But it's going to be so easy for people to change and to go that direction. And the Apostle Paul was like that. He, he had a religious background. He had a re religious knowledge of what the truth was, but what he didn't have was a personal knowledge of that. Now, there have been many accounts. They said that the, uh, when you look into the heart of, of the person, uh, when you look into the mind of the person, they say that uh, the Apostle Paul was a short man. They say he was a balding man. He was a man that he was described as his eyes were close together and a crooked nose. And there was nothing, there was nothing beautiful about him. There was, there was no... Uh, uh, there was no great stature. There was no great beauty. There was, you know, he was a very intelligent man, absolutely. But so many times we, even we ourselves, when we look at ourselves uh, uh, as Christians, when we look in the mirror uh, and we see the physical person that we are and we begin to pick ourselves apart and we begin to think, you know, well, I, you know, I wish my eyes were, 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 you know, blue instead of brown or I wish my hair was blonde instead of red or, or whatever the case would be. And I believe that that was a lot of what the Apostle Paul was going through uh, at that time, that he was just picking himself apart. And, and when we find inadequacies in who we are as an individual person, not as a collective uh, person, meaning you being a husband, a wife, or, or any of those things, but we, we look at ourselves and we bring a harsh judgment upon what we see instead of what's inside of which is what we know. And I believe that that was one of the problems with, with the Apostle Paul at that point in time in his life, that I believe that, that he just, he had, he had enough knowledge to send him to hell when it comes down to the understanding of law and grace. Uh, I believe he had, uh, enough justification that, uh, because whatever physical, uh, uh, inadequacies that he felt that he had, uh, that he was reaching out in some other way and he, something was driving him because listen, and, Let's get. We're going to get into the text in just a second. That there is no way that a person can be this angry with a culture of people, with a group of people, without there being some great underlying issues. Now, I will say this: this we have seen this uh, throughout the political uh, world. Uh, in our nation, that there are so many people that until they became politicians, that they didn't act a certain way. They didn't do a certain thing. But once they were empowered, once they began to see the power that they believed that they had, and this is what the Apostle Paul was dealing with too, and the text will show that when he went to the high priest to get authority to arrest Christians, 
that when they find power, then what they are, the inadequacies of who they are, we get tired of putting on face and then the natural person that is deep within us begins to show his or her face and it be- begins to bring about the, the pain and the hurt that lies deep within ourselves. And I believe that is exactly what was going on with the Apostle Paul. So let's look at the first couple verses here tonight and we're going to title this Pre-New Norm. This is Acts chapter 9 starting in verse 1. This is pre-new norm. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, which is the the, the anger, which is the threatenings of imprisonment and taking Christians' life uh, against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. So again, what I said, here they are coming against uh, he, he, his own self, his own education, his own teaching. He thinks he can memorize, he can quote scripture, which means nothing within its own self without the power of the influence of the God and of the Christ that gave it to us. And here he is so angry and he is so defiled in his own mind and his own heart at that time that he hates Christians for the reason that he hates them, whatever it is, and we won't know this side of glory because here the word of God doesn't teach us and tell us all these things but he went out and he sought another person's political authority and spiritual authority so that he could within his own self to destroy something that he didn't understand and and because he didn't understand it it became a threat it became something deep inside of himself that he could not stand because he could not intellectually impart it into his mind heart and soul so he had to spiritually encounter Jesus before he began to understand it so in verse 2 he says and desired of him meaning the high priest to Damascus as he wanted to go to Damascus to look to and for the Christians for the the Jewish Christians that had fled Jerusalem uh, that were trying to get away from suppression trying to get away from persecution trying to get away from Saul uh, with his threatenings and his slaughter and he said that he and give him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of these uh, of this way, meaning any Christians, whether they were men or women, which shows the the dynamic of his hatred and anger, uh, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And remember what I said earlier, and I'm just going to make this a little bit clear, that evil people, the evil of the world, will always seek out legal authority. We've seen this countless times throughout history, that they're seeking legal authority. They're seeking somebody that has power greater than they are, and they are going to justify their own anger and their own hatred by saying, hey, this is the law, this is what the law says, so all I'm doing is enforcing the law. No, you're not enforcing the law you're enforcing your own wills with a precept of law and this is exactly what the the apostle paul saw at this time is doing because they within themselves are and, and they know that emotionally mentally and spiritually that they are weak people and they are seeking again the authority of others so they can do their own evil bidding. So they have the anger, they have the frustration, they have the desire to do these evil things just as Saul did here. But he, he could not go out on his own authority and do it because if he did, then it would be illegal. 
So that's kind of like, and let me just get on this, this topic very quickly uh, here tonight. This is like abortion. You look, at the, uh, you look at the political leaders of today and those that have in the last many months have said, hey, you know, we believe that a mother has a right to take the life of her child even after the child has been delivered. That we have a window of so many hours that we can take that life. Now, people can look at this from a political side. I'm looking at it from a spiritual side. But here's the thing. The one point I want you to think about tonight, and, and I don't, again, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but I want you to hear what i got to say, is that if, it, if there's a 24-hour window that a child has been born and a mother has a, a window of 24 hours to take the child home and to give that child life or yet to euthanize that child and cause that child to die that on the 25th hour as she's as she's driving home she's chose to 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 keep her baby but on the way home at hour 25 that all of a sudden she decides well no I don't want this child it's already crying it's already causing me problems you know I, I don't want to deal with all of this and she takes the life of her child at 25 at the 25th hour then those same people that says you're legally bound and able to take the life up to 24 hours, these same godless people are going to be the ones that's going to charge that mother with murder at hour 25. And this is the mindset that the Apostle Paul has. So I, I know that kind of went around the bush a little bit, but I wanted to lay that on you. And I want you to really think about that. And we need to be praying for all of our politicians. Let's look at verse 3 of the text. He says, And as they journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined. Now this is midday. This is midday, the height of the sun. And, and at midday, suddenly there shined, uh, uh, there shined round about him a light from heaven. So you can just imagine in the in the middle of midday when the sun is up and it's shining and and, and it's and it's all around you all of a sudden this this great light. Now the one thing I don't want to get distracted on is the light itself, but it's the power of the person that gave the light. And this is what the apostle Paul encounters at this time. So we saw that in verse 3 about the great light shown around him. So how did uh, the Apostle Paul, how did Saul, how did he respond to this? Now these next several verses that we're going to cover, this is in the midst of a new norm. So verse 4 says, and he fell to the earth. Well, you had to. What is the falling to the earth? Was the light so bright? Was the light so great? It was the authority of the light. And we'll see that in verse 5. But in verse 4 again, he says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. So now you have this great light that is greater than the S-U-N because it is the S-O-N, is the light of the S-O-N that is shining, which is greater than the natural light of the sun. And yet here he's, he's falling in submission to the authority of the light, but yet the one that has the authority that brought the light, now he speaks out. Now the light of the S. O.M. has gotten his attention as Jesus encounters Saul at this moment. He says, Saul, Saul. Now, what is happening here? Two, th two primary things are happening. Number one, God is disrupting. Jesus Christ is disrupting the physical, natural man because of the light. Because of this great S.O.N. light that has shined upon him. He has got his attention physically now Jesus cries out with his voice and he simply says, Saul, Saul. 
Now, you can just imagine what was going on in Saul's mind and heart for the first few seconds that this is going on. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus is not repeating himself for no reason. Remember, the natural man of Saul has been touched by the light, but now the spiritual person that Saul is and Saul needs to be is being touched by the authority of Jesus Christ. And this is why he cries out his name two times. He says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? This is the question that Jesus Christ is, is presenting to Saul at this very moment. So here, Jesus immediately identifies with the heart and the intentions of Saul because Saul knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going. He knew what it was that he wanted to achieve. So here, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And verse 5, he says, uh, and who art thou, Lord? So he responds to the immediate authority, to the immediate authority, because again, the flesh has been touched, the spirit is being encountered. He says, who, who, who are you? Who are you, Lord? What does the word Lord mean here? It, it simply means supreme authority. It simply means supreme authority. So how do you know it's supreme authority? Because when the, S, when the light of the S-O-N showed up, what did the Word of God say? He fell to his face. He fell in subjection and submission to the supreme authority. This, the word Lord, it means controller. But here's the great thing. And this is the one thing about that is a difference between the conversion of Saul to Paul that most people that call themselves Christians that are not saved, but yet they say that they are Christians. They say that they are saved. But here's the thing. In this, when, when the apostle Paul, here Saul, when he cries out, Lord, the word Lord was said with complete respect and reverence to Jesus Christ. So here at this very moment, and we have no idea of what was going on through Saul's mind. It does not matter to, to us now. And even with the understanding of the text, we don't need to know what was going through his mind. We know what was going through his heart. So at that particular moment, if he'd have been six inches before or six inches later, it was at that very moment that Jesus spoke. And at that moment, he knew that he had the attention of Saul. And he cried, he says, Lord, who art thou? And Jesus responded to the question. Jesus responded to the question of Saul. And he said, I am Jesus. You know, the guy that you read about in the Old Testament that you could quote, that you memorized, that you thought that you knew about the one that you said that you, you know, you entrusted in this coming Messiah, you know, this this Lord, the son of God, this great victor, this great uh, 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 man that is that is coming, that is going to take upon himself the robe of flesh so that he can identify with you and die for your sins. He said, you know, that Jesus, he says, I am the one. He says, I'm the one that you're persecuting. And at the end of verse five, and I love this term, it's he, the, the, here Jesus says, and, and part of his response is, he says, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. This goes back to a cross-reference in Acts chapter five, where basically what Jesus is, is saying to, to Saul, and he understands this, that he, he is saying that Saul, 
No matter who you think you are, Saul, no matter how angry you are, Saul, no matter how justified you are, Saul, no matter how much of man's authority that you think that you have that is, that is legalizing your ability to persecute Christians, he says, when you're persecuting them, you're persecuting me, and when you're persecuting me, you can't win. And this is what, this is the response that Jesus has given. So let's move on to verse 6. He says, and he trembling. The trembling, what is the trembling? Is it the light of the S-O-N? Is it the voice of Jesus? What is it that's going on? Here, the, the Paul has been brought to such an emotional, mental, and spiritual state in his life that there was nothing that he could do inside of his physical stature but to tremble and to be astonished. Now, isn't it crazy? Isn't it amazing? Let's just think of this for just a few seconds. Isn't it amazing that seconds, mere seconds, before the light of Jesus shows up, the Apostle Paul, Saul at that time, obviously, Saul is living justified. He is living freely. He is living with the abilities to bring upon the flesh of born-again believing Christians. He is going to bring upon them, which is physical imprisonment, emotional imprisonment, physical destruction and physical pain. And at the moments before the light of Jesus showed up, he was fully justified. But now he's in a new norm because now he is in subjection and submission to the absolute authority and deity of Jesus Christ. And he is living and trembling and astonishing. And he responded. I love the dialogue between Saul and and Jesus Christ through through this text. I love how Saul, because he is respectful when he said, Who art thou, Lord? Remember what I said. The word Lord means to have respect of the Lord. He says, What wilt thou have me to do? Here, he this, this is absolute proof of what it is that happens when yet today the Spirit of God enters into the mind and the heart of a lost person and they come to that point of, of acknowledgement of fear and trembling in their mind, heart, body, and soul and they're like, Lord, what do I need to do? Lord, I need to confess my sins. Lord, I need to invite you into my heart and my life and save me. So here, uh, Saul says, Lord, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And Jesus Jesus responded, I love this physical uh, response that Jesus gives. He says, arise. You need to arise. You're on your face. You're physical, physically trembling. You are, you are astonished in your mind and in your heart. You, you know, who I am is greater than your IQ. Who I am is greater than who you are. I have gotten you to the point because of the light that I have shown around you. Now you got to remember the light, the light itself did not hurt Saul, but the light of Jesus Christ opened his mind and his heart to Jesus himself. And he says, I need you to arise and go into the city to Damascus. And he's still allowing him to go where it was that he was initially going to, but he's going with a different heart and a different call. So he says, I need you to complete your journey. I need you in this new norm. I need you in the midst of this new norm. I need you to complete your journey, but I need you to complete it with a different purpose. And he says, I need you to go into the city and it shall be told to thee what thou must do. 
And the, the men which journeyed with him, meaning Saul, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Well, I'm sure that it was. I can only imagine what it was that was happening. You know, if I would have seen that, if I would have been a person that was lost, I would have been astonished too. I mean, you see, you hear this great voice. You see this man that again, and I love the, the unknown history because you have no idea of the conversation that was going on just moments between Saul and these men that were with him. And, and as he's you know getting closer to Damascus, I'm sure he's like, we're going to go get them Christians and we're going to hurt them. And we're gonna, uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna put handcuffs on them, and we're gonna take them back to Jerusalem, and they're gonna stand before the high priest, and we're gonna imprison them. And if we're lucky, some of them's actually gonna be put to death. And this is what I love about the unknown of the text, because you do not know what was going on, but it doesn't matter. But even those that were around him stood speechless. And Saul, in verse 8, and Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. He's blind. He is physically blind. Why is he blind? Let me tell you what. There is a time when we need to walk around like blind people and have nothing but, and you've heard the term, blind faith. And this is exactly what is going on in Saul's mind and in Saul's heart, and he is following Jesus, and at this moment, he need to be blinded because the seriousness of the call, the seriousness of the new norm, the seriousness of his new life that is about to come that Paul has no idea what it's going to be. He needed to be blind. So then why? Why did he need to be blind? That uh, in verse nine, it simply says, and he was there uh, three days without sight and neither did he eat nor did he drink. Here, Jesus had gotten the physical attention of Saul. Now he's got the spiritual attention of Saul. And Saul, and the text will tell us later that he is praying. Let me tell you what, when you can't see something that's distracting you, when you are blinded, you understand that your attention is now being changed and transformed to the authority of the person or the situation that you are encountering. And with Saul here, he can do nothing but focus on the voice and the heart and the words that Jesus spoke to him. So with his physical blindness became a 2020 awareness of his spiritual mind and his spiritual heart. Verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go, and go uh, into the street, which is called Straight. And he says, And inquire in the house of Judas for one man called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Remember what I just said. The Apostle Paul saw here, he is praying, his mind and his heart. All he can do is focus on the things that Jesus said. He can only focus on the authority that was represented in this great light. He can only focus on the wills when he said, you go and you'll be told what to do. And he is crying out and praying to, to Jesus at this time. But now, these are the helpers in the midst of the new norm. So Ananias, and I can only imagine because Ananias, he knows who 
who Saul is. He knows his reputation. He knows what he does to Christians. He knows what he wants to do to Christians. Ananias knows that what is in Saul's heart is what Saul wants to do to Ananias. So here he's getting he's getting Ananias out of his out of his uh, comfort zone, and he's get Jesus is giving him in this vision. Uh, Ananias, he's giving him a new norm. Do, do you see how all this works together? This new norm is not always a life-changing situation. Sometimes a new norm is a situational awareness of something that Christ is asking you to do. So here uh, we see that he's cried out to him. He says, this is where you need to go. This is the house you need to be in. This is the person I need you to seek out. And verse 12, he says, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Man, what a tremendous blessing for Ananias that is Jesus in this vision has said, listen, he has seen you coming and he knows your name. He has seen you coming and he knows your name. I have prepared this man's heart. The man that you only know as Saul, I have prepared Paul for you. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard of many of this, uh, many of this man, how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. So here, you know, again, he's getting him out of, Jesus is getting Ananias out of his comfort zone. Here is a new norm. Uh, you know, again, he, he is not God. He is not Christ. He is not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. The only thing Ananias sees is, is that, listen, I know who this guy is. I know what he wants to do, and I know he's got the authority to do it. You know, Jesus, do you understand that? Do you understand that this is who he is? And realizing that that Jesus had given him the answer in the foregoing verses, he had given him the answer in verse 12 when he said, listen, this is the guy, this is what he's doing. He's praying right now. He says, he knows you're coming, he knows your name, but yet we give excuses for getting out of our comfort zone and getting into a new norm. Now, does that sound familiar to any of us? Does that sound familiar where Jesus is trying to get us out of our comfort zone? Where Jesus is trying to get us out of the norm into a new norm? Where Jesus is just trying to move us on? Let me tell you what, if you want to completely fulfill the will of God for your life, and I don't care what position you hold in the church house, just in your life, if you want to fully complete the will of God, you have to stay out of your comfort zone and you have to be continuously looking for the new norm because life changes and the wills of God may not change, but the ways that we get to fulfill the wills of God may be a new norm. So you need to really be thinking about that. Those of you, as I mentioned in last week's, those of you that need to be serving Jesus, those of you that need to be in the classroom uh, teaching uh, kids or youth uh, about the gospel or teaching them the understanding of a greater in-depth knowledge of the Word of God. Uh, you need to get out of your comfort zone and you need to fulfill the will of God. Somebody needs you. Jesus needs you. But somebody else needs you. Verse 15, But the Lord said unto him, You go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. He says, To bear my name. Boy, boy, it's that, boy that's a great new norm, right? He says, To bear my name before who? The Gentiles. And to, before who? The kings. And before who? The children of of Israel. Wow. The ones that he's persecuting, the ones that he's hating, the ones that he wants to destroy, and yet even some kill, even these people, his mission 
His new norm has changed. And here he lays it out before Ananias. In verse 16, he says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I want to just say this very quickly. That is why the Apostle Paul loved Jesus so much. In 2 Timothy, when he said, listen, when he told Timothy, he says, listen, I've run I've run my course. I have done what Jesus has asked me to do, and I'm ready to be offered. I am ready. I am completely ready to be offered a sacrifice for him and for what he has done for me and what he has done for many others. Here we see this when Jesus says that I will show him these great things. And this is why his love for Jesus was so strong was because his salvation was absolutely real in Jesus Christ. And that is why so many people that call themselves Christians, so many people that say they're saved, so many people that fall on baptism, so many people that fall on the name over the church door, so many people that want to hold on to work, so many people that want to believe in every precept other than grace through faith in Christ and Christ alone. This is what they are holding on to. They, they are holding on to the abilities that the only thing that they want to suffer for is the suffering of a little bit of faith to believe in somebody that's a little bit greater than they are. And you want to know what the difference is between Saul, Paul, and these people? That when the light of Jesus, the light of the S-O-N showed up, in their mind and in their heart, that light was weaker than the light of the S-U-N. Did you get that? The light of the natural man, the light of the natural world, the light of the natural person was greater than the light of Jesus. And their experience was not an experience of salvation. Their experience for most of them and for all of them without Jesus Christ was an experience of circumstance. They were looking for somebody greater than themselves to get them out of a situation, but they did not want their life to change. They didn't want the new norm. They didn't want to have the love. They didn't want to have the compassion. They were looking for something that was transitional, that was going to get them from a bad situation to a better situation, and in the midst of that, that their life would not change. And here, this is what Jesus tells Ananias, that he's going to suffer for me. And for my name's sake. In verse 17, as we look at, at the end of verse 17, this is the end of the helpers in the midst of the norm. And the, the last verse of verse 18, this is going to be post-new norm. But let's look at verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, now pay attention, brother Saul. The Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto you in the way as thou camest, meaning talking about to Damascus, has sent me now because I am your helper in the midst of this transition, this new norm that you're about to enter into. Because matter of fact, by this time, he's already in it. Uh, uh, so he says that this is uh, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto you in the way uh, as thou comest has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So what is this sight that he's talking about? This sight that he's talking about is not with his eyes, 
but it was the fullness, the full awareness of what he has experienced in these last three days when he had no physical sight to focus on the things of the world. The only thing he could focus on was the light of Jesus that shone on the road to Damascus, the conversation that he had had, the dialogue that had taken place, the future awareness that of what he had told him, this is where you're going to go and this guy's going to come talk to you. He's going to lay hands on you and he's going to open your eyes. But you need to understand this, that the spiritual change has already occurred. The spiritual new norm has already taken place. This is why Ananias coming to him by a converted Saul, he uses the term brother, brother Saul. He says that this same Jesus, he's come. What does it mean to be filled by the Spirit that here is the acknowledgement of your life and your heart with Jesus Christ and He is just not an external representation of what you have encountered on the road to Damascus. This Jesus through the Holy Spirit is in you. He lives in you. And Paul's writings confirm this countless times through his letters. Uh, 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 and, and, and here it's just reaffirmed uh, and he says that your sight, your physical sight is going to be given to you so you can fulfill the spiritual insight that Jesus has given to you. And this is the post new norm of the Apostle Paul. He says, and immediately, and immediately when Ananias did what he needed to do, when he went to the man that he didn't want to go to, he spoke to the man that he didn't want to speak with, when he conveyed the love of Jesus, when he conveyed the wills of Christ, when he did all of these things, immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, which was covering his eyes so he could not physically see, and he received sight immediately and arose and Saul was baptized. Now here's the thing with the new norm. It's just not the encountering of Jesus. Jesus uses people to push us into and through the new norm. We are the Ananiases of the world today. We are the ones that when Jesus is dealing in somebody else's life in their heart, whether it's salvation or whether it's uh, redirecting them to do something uh, for Christ, doesn't matter what it is. It, it, you, you, can, you can identify that in any way you wish to tonight. And that we are the Ananiases of the world. It's not a pastor thing. We, pastors are not only the Ananiases of the world. We all as Christians, true born again believers, we all have the abilities and capabilities in Jesus to be used as Ananias was here, used in the ideas and in the mind and the heart and in the soul of Saul and Jesus. What I'm trying to say is, is this. Let Jesus do what He needs to do and let Jesus convert the soul and then let Jesus use us to help people as the helpers into a new norm and help people in the post-new norm that we would encourage them. We would be a blessing unto them. We would not try to keep them suppressed under the spiritual authority of a religion, but we would stand affirmed on the grace of God. And let me tell you what, if you go talk to somebody by the direction of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Jesus has already spoken to them. Jesus has already begun to lead, lead them in the way that they need to go. Many times, all we're doing is confirming what they already know. So stop being afraid about being the biographer of grace. So let's look at this very quickly. Who was the Apostle Paul before his encounter with the light of the Son, Jesus Christ, on the road to Damascus? 
He was a man that was possessed with great anger and great hatred and great purpose. No matter what it was that caused him to be so angry and so justified in wanting to hurt Christians that we see in our world yet today. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe somebody showed them love. Maybe somebody showed them what they perceived to be too much love because they told them about Jesus Christ. We don't know what it is. Maybe a person that called themselves a Christian did something that hurt them very badly, whether it was something emotionally, physically, spiritually. It doesn't matter what it was. What did they encounter? What is, what is Saul dealing with? Who was the man that was possessed? Who was he? Well, you know what he did? We've went over the text tonight. We've covered these 18 verses. You know what the purpose, you know the reason. You, you begin to understand, get into the mind and the heart of the individual. But let's look at this as I close. Who was the man Saul post his experience with Jesus Christ? Post his three-day experience of not having sight, not eating, not drinking. Post his encounter with Ananias. Who was he now? Again, a moment ago, we said he was a man that was possessed with great anger and great hatred and great resolve to destroy people. But was he trying to destroy people? Or was he destroying, trying to destroy what he knew was, what was in his heart? And the only person that he could destroy were those that represented what was already in the heart of Saul. That will help you begin to understand why so many people are so angry with Christians, true Christians, not professing by word of mouth Christians, but true Christians, saved, born again, men and women of God. But who was the post Saul? He was a man which possessed love, which he once possessed anger. He was a man that now possessed grace, which before he had a justified hatred. And he was a man that now had a new purpose for his life, which was to exalt Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of his life and Lord and Savior of the world. He was trying to destroy what was inside, and he couldn't destroy it. So to justify his own heart and his own position, he tried to destroy the flesh of others. And I wonder why, if that's why lawmakers justify abortion. Because there was something in their life. Something took place, whatever that may be. We could speculate all we want, but it doesn't matter. They know. What was it that would cause them to justify the murder of a young life? And they say it's not a life because it's not born. But we ourselves have come to a point in this nation to where we say that we have full authority over life even after our definition of life has been given. The destruction of the flesh of an infant child is an excuse to not deal with the spiritual emotions of their heart. Pray for all political leaders. Pray that they come to this faithful knowledge of understanding of grace through Jesus Christ.
pray for all of these mothers that are going, these young women, these older women, doesn't matter who they are and does not matter their age. Those that are contemplating taking the life of something that is living within them, that was placed there, that Jesus is going to use. Pray for them. Pray for them as they hear the heartbeat. Pray for them as they make these decisions. Pray for them that this great resolve of their flesh would be replaced with a great resolve of grace. And they would cry out to Jesus to, re, to ask Jesus to forgive them of all of their sins and to receive Christ as Lord and Savior of their life and to change their life forevermore. No man is in control. And just as Jesus told Saul, it's too hard for you to kick against the pricks, meaning you cannot fight God and win. Father, we thank you for this message tonight. Lord, I don't know what each person that will hear this needs to get out of this message. But Father, as I close this message out tonight, I feel great peace in my heart. I have said what needed to be said. I have conveyed the word of God in the ways that you have asked. And Father, I am the Ananias at this very moment that I have done what you have asked. I have brought forth what you needed brought forth. And Father, now it's upon the hearts and the minds of the souls of the world to reach out to you and to ask for your forgiveness and to ask you to come into their heart and their life and to be their Lord and Savior. And Father, if there's a Christian struggling right now as they hear this message, for whatever direction, whatever way it affects their life, Lord Jesus, I pray that they just get on their knees and they begin to cry out to you with their voice, begin to cry out to you with their tears, and that, Lord, that they recommit their life to you. And as much as we want the lost to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus, we want those that are backslidden in their hearts and in their faith, we want them to come back to a recommitted and a rekindling of their faith in you. Lord, help them. As John says, if we confess our sins... He, you are faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, whatever it needs to be done, Father, we commit it to thee tonight. And Lord, if there's one that comes to know Christ, encourage them to reach out to us, that we can talk to them and give them some literature and be a blessing to them. Doesn't matter where they live in the world, but that Lord, that we can just continue to be a, a hope and a living blessing for them as they start out into this new norm of this new relationship and this new life that they're going to have in Jesus Christ. And the same goes for those that are backslidden in their faith as they rededicate themselves to you right now. Help them to reach out to us, that, Lord, that we may know them, we may understand where they're at, and we may pray with them that they will come to a place in a position in their mind and heart that they will completely fulfill you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Oh, we so anxiously await to see you. And that day's coming. It's coming. It'll be here soon enough. But Lord Jesus, use us as only you can. As you have saved our souls, help us to reach the loss with the truth of the living gospel, Jesus Christ. So until the day we see you face to face, through the empowerment, through the blessings, through the blanket of hope, Father, we will live our lives for thee. We love you and we thank you, and it's in your name we pray.
Amen. For those of you listening, just uh, continue to uh, look at the Facebook page and the church website. Um, and I'll be sending out texts to the church family later on this week about services and depending on what the weather does. And again, pray that the Lord would give us good weather so we can have the service outside. Um, we'll be giving you other information about the FM station. Uh, we're still waiting on the transmitter to get in. All that information will be given to you later this week. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And I hope that as you turn uh, this off in just the next few seconds, that you don't turn the message off. You can turn the podcast off, but don't turn off the message that Jesus has given to you tonight. Remember, you can't run from it. Saul tried to run from it with anger and hatred. And the only thing that he found in the end was a resolve that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And I pray that for you today and for the rest of your todays, for the rest of your life, until you see Jesus face to face. We love you and we thank you in the Lord for all that you have done, for all of your continued commitment to him. And we hope that we will see you soon. God bless you.